Hi everyone and welcome to episode 36 of the Hiring Enablement Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Nikki Patterson, uh, Chief Growth Officer at Solutions Driven. And today I'm joined by Kat Steinmetz, Principal on the investment team at Initialized Capital. Kat, amazing to have you on the show. How are you? Awesome. I'm great. Thanks so much, Nikki. Great to be here. Recently, Solution Driven launched Hiring Enablement. Kat, a super guest because one of the most passionate people when it comes to enabling other people that I've ever met. So really excited to get into Kat's background, Kat's current role, you know, the real areas where Kat supports not only people, but businesses grow all across the world. Kat, really looking forward to this. So let's dive, let's dive right in. Awesome. Kat, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little bit of a background to current role and, and how you got there. Sure, absolutely. So my whole background is in talent and culture in the HR world, so close to 20 years. Um, I started out as a baby recruiter when I first came to San Francisco, I like to say, <laughs> in the original .com so many years ago, um, and then uh, ended up at Burning Man. Yes, mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. that actual thing that you're thinking of. Um, and I kicked off and created their entire people function for them. Mm -hmm. They did not have that when I showed up. And, and I started going to Burning Man as a performer. So I'm a longtime musician and an artist and singer. And um, they needed an HR person. Boy, did they ever. Um, <laughs> so I started there as a consultant. And I was also consulting for other very small startups, just helping them, you know, get their HR things kind of kicked off and helping them hire their first HR person. And yep. then eventually uh, Burning Man became the global phenomenon that it is, and they needed to have a full-time person and really create a whole function and help them become a nonprofit. So I did that and it was there for 10 years, uh, wow. hired a lot of the organization and created- Which again, which again is super rare that anyone stays anywhere for 10 years, right? Exactly. First and foremost, yeah. So. Yeah. And I think because I was consulting for a good chunk of it, and I was able to do all these other things. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to kind of be a threat for that long. Uh, normally, I don't stay that long somewhere. I get kind of, you know, uh, a bored of something after a few years. So it, it kept obviously kept my uh, attention because it yep. needed a lot of work and it needed a lot of, uh, you know, nurturing and, you know, to become the full fledged nonprofit that it is, it took a lot of work to get everything to that place um, and really help uh, Larry Harvey kind of have his, his yep. legacy before he passed on. So I was uh, happy to do that work and um, forever a burner. Um, so <laughs> they're my family and my community. Uh, yeah. So from there I went to Stitch Fix. So mm -hmm. I was a very early employee at Stitch Fix, um, number 140. Um, so they were a series C company at the time that I started and I just thought they were very cool to be a, a fashion and tech company was pretty neat. And they had a woman CEO and founder, Katrina Lake, of course, mm -hmm. uh, who ended up being, you know, the youngest, uh, person and woman to ever IPO a company. So pretty amazing. amazing to be a part of that whole entire journey from early to all the way to IPO and then going global, uh, was part of the first people leadership team. there, really working very directly with Katrina and the management team to build out all their cultural assets, talent development, talent management, um, cultural uh, engagement, employee engagement, all of those things. Uh, so that was an incredible journey and incredible ride. And when I kind of finished up with there and felt like my work was done, um, I got recruited to Box, yep. uh, a very classic Silicon Valley um, company here and um, help them kind of do the same thing, but they were already IPO'd, already global, but didn't really have any of the talent development programs. Yeah, maybe um, not so much of the structure in place. 
Exactly. So again, came in, kind of was my own startup in the midst of that, built the whole team, developed that team, created all of their talent development programs, um, all of their coaching programs. I really went there to, um, you know, I was getting my own coaching certification at the time and wanted to uh, really had this vision of coaching for everyone in some way or another. So was able to do that through COVID, which is, was a pretty wild ride to, you know, be home, build out the team and, and do all of these programs suddenly virtually. Uh, we wrote a couple of white papers and published them actually about how to do onboarding really well uh, virtually as well as um, coaching and talent development programs. So that was an incredible uh, a ride. And then I got really out of the blue recruited um, to initialized. It was a completely out of nowhere, did not see myself becoming part of an early stage VC, but they are not just any VC. They're um, quite different. Uh, I would say kind of the number one thing is the philosophy is that they hire only former operators and founders as part of the investment team. So everyone has deep expertise as those things. And we really feel that that can help our founders and our companies become as successful as possible because we understand how to do all the things they're trying to do and we've done them. So that was my background. And I came in to really work on, um, you know, advising across all of the areas that I have a lot of expertise, which, you know, early stage companies need a lot of help in that area, hiring, building out people, policies and functions, dealing with, you know, things that are hard with, you know, employee relations and all of those things. Um, And, and I focus as an investor, um, you know, around future of work and HR tech and Mm -hmm. wellness and well-being and, you know, anything that kind of stems off the sort of work employee experience of some kind. Um, I'm called in for any pitch that has touches any of those things. And the initialized capital, I mean, hundreds of companies now, like, yes, you know, tons of money involved though, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> you, you get to see so many companies at different, okay, they're all, they're all growing, right? But, but you get to see so many different types of companies touch loads of different companies. You get to see them go on that journey, right? And be successful, make mistakes, and you can pass on, you know, those mistakes, those successes to other companies uh, as well. Did you ever ever see yourself 20 years ago when you fell into recruitment or hiring (laughs) where you are today? No, (laughs) definitely not. I don't think even 20 years I knew this even existed. So, you know, I just was starting to get the the feeling with the dot-com, right? I don't think anybody understood that whole world very well. So, um, but I certainly have touched it a lot being at, you know, companies like Sitch Fish and Box, right? I mean, they're very much in that uh, ecosystem. So it made a lot of sense to me. And, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm also a people tech partners advisor. That's a a group of sort of, uh, you know, all the most modern, you know, heads of people um, that come together and advise uh, around a, a growth program for people tech products and founders. And so I've been doing that for a number of years. And so I've, I get the idea of advising founders. I was a strategic advice board advisor to, you know, a few different companies. Um, and so I, I understood that ecosystem and I understand what an early stage, you know, um, company needs. And, um, I started dabbling in, you know, angel investing and looking at that kind of thing. And so it kind of made sense, but I was very wary about like the, you know, tech bro kind of VC bro kind of idea. Right. And I didn't want to be part of something like that. But again, I think that's where initialize really stands out. We're one of the most, if not the most diverse, um, group, uh, in a way, you know, in, in the VC world. So we have over 65% women on the investing team, as well as across the company. We have a lot of diversity and underrepresented 
groups um, in our team, and it's just uh, naturally how we hire and how we think. Yeah. Um, and that was very appealing to me. Um, and when I hired our, our head of talent, Tiffany Fu, who came on in November, awesome. very much with the idea of we want somebody who really understands the, both, the AI world, all of the networks of that, how to do that. You know, it's just second nature. Because when you work with an early early stage company, you want to instill that as early as possible. Because as soon as they get that diversity in there and that thinking, it just stems the entire growth of the company. Before diving into, I guess the the, the, the IC role right now, because loads to loads to get into. I want to go back the way, right? I mean, like we said, ten years at, at Burning Man. Very few people I know, even founders, owners, are are at companies for ten years, right? I mean, yeah. um. If you can think of one moment at Burning Man where you accomplished something amazing, you know, we're most proud, what springs to mind? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot in my years there, right? It becoming, like I said, from a very kind of underground artsy event to begin being literally this worldwide phenomenon, right? Where everybody knew what it was and everybody wanted to get a ticket and it sold out within minutes. Um, such a different world from when I began and, and um, when I left there. Um, and, you know, they needed everything, right? And they did not come from a place of we're a business, right? I mean, they were just a bunch of artists that came together to do this counterculture event. So yeah. a lot of it was just getting them to be in the mindset of you're a company and you need to be responsible around that, mm -hmm. right? Towards yeah. the world and towards your employees. Um, and so it was just helping them and it took a while. You know, a lot of things were very like anti the man, which is funny, right? Um, but anti-corporate, right? Anti being any of those things. So it was really helping them and the leadership team, the six founders um, to see that structure is a freeing thing for people done right, right? And then yeah. you can do it your own way. Um, and I think that's one of the things I learned really heavily is, you know, when you get structure right for humans, it's very, very freeing. Um, too much, it's rigid, right? And it's micromanaging, yeah. people feel very stifled. Not enough, it's chaotic, nobody's clear, they don't know how to do things, they're wasting time. Mm -hmm. So it's this like razor's edge of how do you do both of those things. And so I think anything I did, I tried to do in the idea of bolstering that razor's edge to be wider so that we would have a more ability to be in that structure that was so freeing. Um, so that. yeah, I think, you know, basic things, but things that weren't there, like just really kick-ass benefits, like compensation being correct, um, like roles being really clear, you know, so that people knew what they were doing and how to work together, um, you know, organizational design and making sure teams worked really well. Uh, you know, because the whole the whole goal of Burning Man is to build community. And mm -hmm. that's that's a wonderful goal. And at the same time, it can go, you know, a little bit sideways with business sometimes. So I think you still have to be responsible towards the organization, even even as a nonprofit, you absolutely do because you're using other people's money and and the way to build this community, right? Yeah. So how can you do that in a way that's going to help that uh, thrive, not just survive? I think we hear it a lot. You know, that, and, and again, I'm not going to sit here and badmouth any other recruitment company, but there's a lot of just throw CVs, hope things stick. Like, who do I know? What's my network? What's my little black book? And that's been a lot tougher for people over the last few years. You know, the hiring world really has changed. The candidates have a huge voice. They have a huge expectation of, of experience. And I think the companies that I see win most often are the companies that have structure. 
It's the companies that have a bit of foundation. They have a little bit of science. And and obviously when they hire good people, the art comes the art comes with it. You know, I think data is power. For me, it always it always has been. I've never seen data as a micromanaging thing. I've seen it as as empowering, right? What mm-hmm. I know I know this, so what can I do about it? Or, you know what? I don't understand this. Who can I pull in to, to help me with this? Probably stitch fix is when you first you were mentioning that, you know, seat right there at the table. You're getting a really influential, you know, guide to, you know, the leadership to driving the people and the business you know, goals together and really aligning them and enabling everyone, everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Do you find that was easy for you or was it tough? Did you get better at it over time? Like naturally gifted at it? What do you think? You mean with like using data to help us tell stories or to, you know, kind of bolster what we were doing? I guess bit of both, right? I mean, you'll, you'll definitely be sitting around the, the board meetings and with leadership and yes. they'll be saying, guys, we want this revenue. We want this goal. We want oh, that. Yeah. And you're thinking about it of how do I yeah. get the people in the right frame of mind to get there? How do you get that opinion across? Yeah. I mean, I think what you're really getting at that I speak so much to, you know, uh, when I'm speaking on, uh, you know, other talks, anything where I'm talking to other, you know, HR leaders or just leaders in general, I think when you're trying to get something done, it's all about the narrative. Yeah. So I think that's the thing I learned so much over my years as an executive and as a leader, it's you know, telling a really compelling story and yeah. keep people in the loop of that story that so that they stay engaged and excited and always know what you're up to, but not too much that they're bogged down by details, but that they can continue to be in that with you and to help support mm-hmm. you to bring that story to life, right? So um, that's, that's what I learned, I think, so much. is And data is what helps you do that. <clears throat> you know, data of all kinds. So, and I think human stories is what, actually brings anything to life and helps people to understand because they can connect with that. Right. It's like, here's how we're using that and how that actually comes to life in someone's life. Right. Whether it's the career or however, you know, uh, so much more now our lives are in our work, right. It used to be very separate. Now it's all very, especially now we're all home, (laughs) you know, things like that. So it, it really is about, you know, true human stories and, and, and putting that with really powerful data is really the most powerful way to tell a narrative and a story. And then people can just get on board with you. They don't, you don't need them to do a bunch of work if you're doing that for them. So I, I really held all of my vendors to uh, like to the fire. Like I would not partner with a vendor if they were not going to give me all the things that I needed in that room, because I did not have time for that. Right. So like whatever, you know, they were doing for me, whether it was a coaching program or a talent development program or whatever it was, I asked a lot of them to give me the data, give me the story, give me the stuff that I can use to tell this narrative so that I was always ready to speak to it in a board meeting, in a, you know, whatever it might be, the CEO comes over to my bed to talk to me. I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to engage. I'm ready to get that person in talking to me. And then they're so excited to support your program, right? Because they understand the ROI. They know how it's impacting the culture. They know how, you know, it's impacting how we're hiring, attrition, um, you know. And I mean, I've, you know, when I was at Box, Aaron Levy spoke of my programs in two earnings calls. And I felt like there's nothing more of a compliment than that. He wants to talk about, and he loves culture, right? I mean, Fox is very, very well known for culture. And, you know, Aaron is a, a, you know, a VIP tweeter and loves to talk about all those things. 
Um, but I felt like if he's going to talk about that in an earnings call, that's that's a pretty good litmus test that we're doing something right. Um, because he's proud and he wants to tell those data points, right? He wants to talk about like, here's what's happening in my culture. And so the narrative, that's what I think it is. Culture for me is, you, I mean, it, it's created, right? I mean, I think you need, like I said, there's a lot of CEOs that are overly transparent. There's some that try and hide it all in their own little box and, and drive it forward themselves. I think, like you say, finding that fine balance between here's the big goal, here's how we get there, here's your role in what you play and being very, very clear in that is, is huge. And, yeah. and you'll know that yourself, right? I mean, I think you and I have spoken in the past about personal responsibility. I love that, yes. that phrase, right? I mean, I think for me, there's nothing better than here's the role you play, Nikki, in helping us achieve this. You know, yes. there's a framework, there's a foundation, but go and, go and get it done, right? And then one, okay, I now feel accountable for this. With that accountability comes about a trust, responsibility. I'm not going to let you down. What do I need to do to go and be, to go and be yes. successful? Talk me around how, you know, I guess it'll be very different for you at Box or Stitch Fix as, as it is now. Now you maybe get, you know, you're not totally invested day in, day out. How do you create that sense of personal responsibility, you know, to, to some of these companies that you guys support now? Yeah. I mean, I think what you're hitting on too, is that there's an inherent, you know, sense with humans that they want to do well, right? Yeah. We all want to do well. We want to thrive, yeah. right? Pretty much. And so can you create the, the, the container for people to do their very best within that container, right? So I think what, you know, if you're going from that sort of place, that builds a culture where people do their best because they are being held accountable with compassion. That's really yeah. like the way that I like to do things. Yeah. Hold people very, very accountable, but with compassion and with kindness. And that's really how people thrive the best, right? It, uh, all the way down to my 10-year-old boy, you know, like that's what I do. I hold him accountable, but always with kindness. And he does that for me. And I expect him to do that, right? Like, give me the feedback, hold me accountable when I'm off track and I'm not being personally responsible for my behavior, you know? And so I, I want him to be able to do that in the world too, just like I want anybody, a founder, you know, my team member, and I want to also hear that. So I think it's about being, you know, very, you know, uh, transparent, very, very direct, um, but in a way where people feel supported and they feel like they're in it with you, you know? So it's a, it's that, a- yeah. You know, even if you're giving hard feedback, you can always do it in a way that is for someone, mm -hmm. right? And they feel that it's for them. So it's back to that sort of gift, right? The idea of the gift of feedback. When it's not good is when somebody feels like it's against, right? It's a critique. You're, I'm now pitted against you and I need to be defensive, right? That's just a human thing. So how can you always come from a place where this is, we're doing this together. We're in a partnership and I'm here to like help you to be successful, and I think that's the same with founders. They can feel that. They're just big kids. You know, we all are. So it's like, how can we be in this together? And I think that's what we hear a lot in initialized. They're like, wow, you guys are just different. Like, even when we're just on a pitch call, you know, it's like just from the very beginning, they're like, wow, I just don't, I just don't get this when I meet with them. <laughs> What's that's the right. I'm just, we're just very human, you know, and we just try to, and we very much hold ourselves accountable, right. To be the best that we can in any interaction we're having with the founder from the very beginning to when they IPO or exit, um, you know, we fill the entire thing. We're just filled with integrity around that, you know, of like, how can we do our very best so that they can do their very best? Because that's how you get the best outcomes. I think you get a lot of uh, founders 
you know, early stage companies, they can't let go. You know, they, they're in it, they want to be in it all the way, you know, and I think it's that self-awareness sometimes, you know, that, you know, what's going on, what's the, what's for the better. I mean, I th I've always thought of treat people the way you want to be treated. Exactly. You know, uh, for sure, be transparent, you know, but also people see through the BS as well. Let's just, you know, call always. it a spade, right? You, you always, oh, always see that. I mean, I think it's for you guys, you know, so many different companies. What's the most common, I guess, failure you see or common trait you see and, and maybe companies that don't quite get it right? And then what about the companies that do get it right? What what sets those two apart? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it goes back to the things we were talking about. You know, I think the 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 leader's culture is the company's culture. So when we're looking at you know, a company, founders, when we're looking at founders as it's early stage, right? They might not even have much product built out. It's all about the founders. Like, who are they as humans? How are they? How do we feel around them? Is this somebody I'm going to want to work with for seven to 10 years? Because that's what yeah. an investment is, right? Are they coachable? Are they a person that wants feedback? Are they going to be able to speak in a way where they are very self-aware? Um, do they want to build their awareness? They, do they want to be responsible for their behavior? Those two things just go hand in hand, right? The more you build your self-awareness and your personal responsibility, the more you can build out a great culture. And if you're not doing those things, that's the way the culture is going to show up, whether you want it to or not. And believe me, I've been an HR person working against like a salmon trying to get up the screen. You know what I mean? You're just like, I'm wasting so much time pushing against someone that doesn't get it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I started, you know, cause I've always mentored and coached younger women, especially I do a lot of that for free, whatever. It's just like you were saying, part of the ecosystem. It's just what I do because yeah. that's my community. Right. And people have done it for me. So I do it all week. Um, and it's, it's something that I, you know, it always comes back to me and it's a wonderful thing to do, but I think that's the thing. Like, don't waste your time. If it's, this person does not want to change. And that's really hard when you've taken a job and you feel really invested. Um, but, you know, I think you got to really, you know, look at it and say, well, what's really happening here and what, what impact can I have, right? What impact can I have? And if you can't have the impact you're looking for, it's probably not the right place for you. So I think with founders we're looking for what kind of company are they build, right? Did they, are they going to have that effect or are they going to have the opposite effect where people are clamoring to be there? I mean, again, I have to go back to box. Like, I just think they do such an incredible job of hiring. They love boomerang employees. They celebrate them. They talk about how people have come back. They celebrate when love people well. leave, you know, they're like, they talk about it very openly. They're like, yeah, so, so, and so went to this place and they might come back and we'd be psyched for them to come yeah. back because they'll come back with great knowledge. And we love that. So people are always so dedicated to box. When you see a box post anything, you will see employees just get on there and talk about it. You know, like I still have my box mug and my shirt or whatever. <laughs> They're just great culture. You know what I mean? They just really know how to be in that kind of space rather than the like pushing away or feeling unsafe or that kind of stuff. People feel that. And so with founders, what are you creating? Is that the culture you're creating? You know, are you aware that you are creating that or are you numbed out and unaware? Because that's how things end up being toxic. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the episodes we've done on here are, are, to, are thinking about talent, are thinking about hiring, the recruitment process, you know, where it falls down, where there are successes. 
you know, a company getting investment and using that investment wisely and building out the right leadership team and creating yep. the right processes, that all comes before that, you know, and you've been involved in starting with that, going in a company where it's all over the place and pulling it together, now seeing company after company after company. If there was one bit of advice you could give an early you know, leadership group, you know, other than, you know, make sure you're cool and have an awesome culture, what would it what would it be? Um, I think what I was when you were saying that, you know, I think being open, getting help. You know, I mean, that's what we're all here for, right? That's why you get investors. I mean, yeah, the money, but it's also uh, that's why people come to initialize because they're like, yeah, of course, the investment money is is something. That's certainly the main thing. But the other reason they really flock to us is because we will support in those ways. We have expertise across all these areas and they can ask questions and we are here to help, right? They don't need to reinvent the wheel. They don't need to come up with all the answers on their own. Why do that, right? When there are people here that can help. So I think, again, it's that idea of being culturable, culturable you know, like, can yep. you be yep. a person who is open to getting feedback, to getting help, to getting a template, to getting help with your hiring, to understanding that's, we do everything in the vein of teaching how to fish, right? Yeah. So if Tiffany, our head of talent does not do this in the way of, I'm going to find the thing for you. And that's all with me. It's the idea of how can I help you to understand how to do that for yourself? Because yeah. as soon as you start to get beyond, you know, your seed stage or your series A, you're on your own, you're getting at your, your own team and we're helping them again, kind of like a toddler, you know, we're helping them to walk, we're helping them to get yeah. on to becoming an adult, right? And so that's, you need to be open to all of that. If you think you already have all the answers, if you think you're pushing people away, what a waste of time. You know, so it's like, are you open and will you take the feedback so that you can move forward fast and be su as successful as possible? I, th I think that's why we launched Hiring Enablement, you know, uh, a, a few weeks yeah. ago. After 25 years, it was pulling all, almost all the strategies, the methodologies, because we want to help companies be more effective, more efficient at hiring. Right. You know, whether it's resources, tools, playbooks, insights, podcasts, etc. People have done this before. We're not reinventing the wheel. You know, what are the right. best bits that help your company be successful? What are the yeah. best processes that help you attract the right talent? You know, what are the best frameworks you can use to embody yeah. the right the right culture? Um, right. And, I think and why not ask you? Because you all have been doing it for 25 years. Why do I need to reinvent that? You know, it's the same with us. We do a lot of hiring enablement, right? It's like, or whatever it might be, enablement around GTM or your design or your product yep. or you know, any of those things. We're, that's exactly right. It's the enablement of like supporting you to do that. I think, I think the one takeaway I've took from that, a really big takeaway is looking at someone and saying, do I want to work with you for the next five years, seven years, yeah. 10 years? Whether you're a candidate, an employee, leadership, exactly. investor. It's not that much different. Investing in a founder or hiring a candidate is yeah. actually a very similar thing. And that's something I realized within about three months of being here. I'm like, oh, I know what this is. It's like hiring yeah. an executive. It's like a penny it's drop in there, similar. yeah. Right. Awesome. And granted, they have to have, you know, some different things and it's not quite the same. They're not an employee, but, you know, it's that idea, right? You're really searching for someone that has these qualities, right? That you see in a long vision mm -hmm. because investing is a long vision. A vision. It does yeah. not come around right away. So, you know, what do you really see in this person and how they can pivot, hire people, build a culture, you know, get through really hard times like this yeah. market, 
you know, go out and get more funding, sell all these things, give up control. Woo, that's one of the hardest things, right? For an early stage all the founder time. is to give up control and let the people that they've hired actually be doing what they hired them to do. It's, I, I swear it's the, it's the thing I see the most that is the hardest thing is to let that go and really believe in someone else being able to carry that torch and you doing what you should be doing. But ultimately you surround yourself with good people. You want to do that. Right. Exactly. And I think that's the absolute key for me. Yeah. Chat, I knew you were going to be a, an awesome guest. I think there are so many areas that we could explore out of this, but whether you're an early investor, someone looking for investment, employee, that it doesn't matter. I think everybody could take a little bit from this. I can see exactly why you guys are so successful, why you have been so successful and such a sought-after podcast guest. So thank you very much for joining me this morning, and I look forward to talking again soon. Thank you, Kat. Awesome. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Nikki.